0: Hello and welcome to the Self-Care with Herbs segment of the Elder Tree Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Bosker, naturopath, herbalist and medicine maker. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the Banjalang people, the traditional custodians of the land on which I live, and pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. Now, come along and join me each month for beautiful conversations with guests from across the country exploring ways we can weave plant medicine into our days to enrich our experience of self-care sharing routines rituals and recipes for elevating mind body and spirit
1: sitting in these fields of chamomile, like just sobbing just the nervous system sort of response to that
0: that was jess allen sharing an experience where she connected deeply with chamomile. Jess is a herbalist, Bowen therapist and the owner of Skin Duna Apothecary in Newcastle, New South Wales, where she manufactures a range of herbal and vibrational skin care. Having a deep love and connection to the natural world, and an affinity for sensing and communicating emotional profiles. Jess followed her path into herbs and healing and has enjoyed experiencing the alchemy of people and plants for almost 20 years. During this episode, Jess shares how after feeling quite disconnected from the natural world during her early childhood, it was the school camps she experienced later in her youth where she spent time in the bush, hands in the earth and felt her eyes open and her soul start to connect with the plants. Jessie's is a beautiful storyteller and during our chat takes us on a special journey, sharing how she connects with individual plants on a deep level to create potent flower essences. She describes feeling disconnected and even sceptical after completing some introductory courses on bush essences, but being immersed in a nature philosophy course and meditating in the bush amongst the wildflowers helped facilitate a profound connection and a deeper knowing of flowers and plants. Jess's connection with herbs was deepened even further during a transformative experience on a medicinal herb farm in Tasmania. It was here that she really started to connect strongly with the herbs, understanding their vibrations and feeling a whole new world opening up, a sense of safety and belonging. Jess has been in deep motherhood over the past 10 years and shares how it's really easy to lose sight of self care and that daily investment in ourselves. She describes the feeling many of us experience that there is a bigger dream than just surviving each day. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Jess. It's really lovely to have you here today. Oh, thanks, Jess.
1: I'm really excited to be chatting with you.
0: Yeah. So, as you know, we're going to be talking all about self care with herbs, how that looks for you, how it feels, how it might be difficult at times. But one of the first things I really like to do with guests when we begin a chat is find out from you where that first spark came about in terms of your interest in plant medicine. When we were chatting before we started recording, we spoke about how you had a really lovely connection with the natural world from an early age. And I was wondering if we could dive back into that to really explore how your relationship with plant medicine began.
1: Yeah, um my My sort of childhood was ah oh, was a fairly barren landscape really, in terms of the natural world um, but I was always interested in creatures and digging and in the garden and when I say the garden, there wasn't much of a garden, but um <laughs> just being outside and um yeah, I, f- I feel like my first connection to plant medicine would have been aloe vera. My granddad had lots and lots of aloe vera plants in his garden, and um, there was not much said about it really. Like, he wasn't sharing all this great herbal knowledge with me or anything like that. Um, that's just, yeah, the thing that is probably the earliest memory. And it's been a bit of a continuum, I guess, my granddad and his aloe vera plants. Like, I, I still use those today in a couple of my products. I, I strip them down and make the gel and, and use those. So, yeah. Um, in terms of other aspects of the natural world, I sort of grew up in this... in a house that was quite void of anything natural, so <laughs> I really sought that out. Probably later in life I really found a deep connection to the earth <laughs> yeah. and all, all of its wonders.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so how old were you when that really started to happen for you? Uh, probably school camps,
1: primary school, um, just being exposed to different aspects of nature different elements fire and dirt (laughs) my house wasn't very dirty it was all very clean and um yeah so getting down in the dirt and in the rivers canoeing and stuff like that I think in on school camps I really connected with that and we did bush medicine walks and things like that. I remember little sparks firing inside of like, whoa, there's another way.
0: Yes. <laughs> there's another world. Yeah. So that was in primary school that you were able to have, you know, have your eyes open to bush medicine?
1: Yes. Yeah, I did. Um. Up here, in, I'm in Newcastle and we, not far north, there's a, the Leyland Brothers world replica of Uluru and we did camps there and I think the Leyland brothers used to do shows of sort of travelling around the country, exploring the natural world. And, yeah, that was the bush camp we did and did bush medicine. And I remember them pointing out termites nests and little seeds and different things. Yeah, I loved it. Mm,
0: so eyes yeah. were really started to open to the natural world after not really having that much exposure
1: yeah yeah I, and I still can't really believe the disconnect <laughs> that I grew up in in terms of no nature like my mum she, she had a garden she grew a few flowers and my grandma had a garden she grew roses but yeah no no food no no herbs, but
0: yeah. Mm. Don't know how I've ended up here. <laughs> so when was it that you first started getting an interest in growing herbs and wildcrafting weeds and really connecting with the medicinal side of nature?
1: Did, sorry, was that when? Or? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it wasn't too much later. When I was in my, in my early 20s. I got into health and sort of nutrition first, I think, as kind of doorway into natural medicine. Um, Yeah, I sort of, I think, I, I was a kind of sickly kid, like, had a lot of headaches and never really felt very well, and... Finding out later that there was a whole other world of food and nutrition as well <laughs> that sort of was life-changing, that kind of was segue into, into then herbal medicine because, like, what, what can I study here? What can I formally study to increase all this knowledge and build on this passion for nature? So, yeah, I wasn't really doing any herbal medicine or plant medicine until my early 20s. And even then, like starting college, it was very black very black and white, evidence-based medicine. And it wasn't until I went to Pindari Herb Farm in Tasmania and just saw all the herbs and all the plants and just fell in love with them all and got a real feel for them yeah that experience was really a bit of a game changer too was that part of college that trip yes yes it was we were very lucky um i think i think the teacher we had sort of recognized we were missing a whole aspect of of the energetics and the actual plants (laughs) which um felt kind of important and so she organized a trip down there which it's it's closed since it's non-operational now, so it f- feels like one of those moments where ah, oh, we just got to scrape in there and, and mm. see that. And I spent a lot of time down there. Yeah, that was amazing, mm. really amazing.
0: Can you can you um, give us a little bit more about what happened down there? Like for people who don't know what Pandari is and what you can, what you could have experienced.
1: Yeah, so. Um, It was uh, the man. Well, it was a a couple who set up this farm. He was an ex pharmacist and kind of got to a point in that in that career of going, "Ah, I'm not doing good anymore. I'm doing harm. How can I change this?" And and so um, adapted into medicinal herbs and just had this amazing self sufficient biodynamic you could say it wasn't registered or anything but farm with like probably 150 to 200 medicinal herbs and um, I remember the first day we were there um, he got us to harvest the chamomile and I just (laughs) remember sobbing sitting in these fields of chamomile like Just sobbing, just the nervous system sort of response to that. I was like, Oh okay, there's some there's something in this. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't like bad sobbing, it's just Release. release. Yeah. Just release of all that sort of held tension of disconnection your whole life and then here you are in this beautiful space with these people. Intuitive and and aware and in tune with nature and in tune with the plants and feeling into them understanding the vibration of them and their properties and just a whole new world and yeah I think just the recognition of and a sort of sense of safety in that and belonging as well just yeah and then we just explored all the plants and oh I loved them all <laughs>
0: And at that point, did you um, get? Were you exposed to like harvesting methods and and using the herbs to make products and things?
1: Yes, so that's where I learned to make products. Um, he sort of grew the herbs, harvested the herbs, um, turned them into oils and tinctures, and then turned them into creams. Um, and then they had a business selling creams so um, we did everything from the we planted planted some things we harvested we we had this great old um, ah, I can't even remember what it was called but like sort of hand winding chopper thing where we chop all the herbs down and Pushing them. One of my favourite things ever is pushing herbs into jars or pushing herbs into bottles, and like the smells and all that, and the feel of pushing them down further and further before you put in the alcohol and that sort of thing. So we did we did all of it. Um, We pressed tinctures. We made essential oils. We had a distiller made essential oils and. then we made creams and, yeah, it's, I think that was the premise of the course, to learn sort of manufacturing from
0: planting to to
1: manufacturing these products. Mm.
0: And was that your first experience using medicinal herbs to make things? Um,
1: no, it wasn't actually. Um Again, going back to my granddad, he, he had really bad cellulitis on his legs. And so before I'd been to Pindari, but I had started college, I had gotcha cola growing in in my garden. And so I made this sludgy on the stovetop, like this sludgy gotcha cola and chickweed and oh, I don't know what else was in it. That was probably it. And then made him just with... I think I got a vitamin E-based sort of cream and made him this, gr- this sludgy green, stinky sludgy green cream. And he was a good sport. He'd pack it on his legs and, you know, po home la-la-la. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was really my first experience of making stuff. But it was very ru- rudimentary and I didn't really know what I was doing then
0: yeah but, but having fun. a go having a go and getting your hands dirty and really playing with the herbs harvesting them deciding oh what am I going to do with this yeah yeah
1: yeah I always I've always loved I always loved chopping I love the finicky elements of it like picking thyme leaves one by one like before I had children of course and actually had time to to sit with things and do things like that but Yeah, that's the sort of, that's the part of it I really love, like like the tiny, tiny bits and pieces and chopping herbs. Mm. I love chopping
0: herbs. It's a meditative (laughs) practice, isn't it? Mm, Yes. (laughs) All the senses are involved. And so that time in Tassie, was that towards the end of your college um, time?
1: I, I don't think so. I can't remember... What year we went, but I went three years in a row. I just loved it, so I sort of interned the following two years on other courses. He needed a a helper, and I was that person. Two consecutive years after our our year of doing the course, um, so that those three years I think spanned like the last three years of my
0: mm. college. Fine. Yeah. yeah and after college did you then dive straight into um creating things with herbs
1: yes I was um so as I was finishing college I was launching skin doona which is my cream herbal skincare business um I kind of fell into that sort of accidentally in a way (laughs) like I had I'd I'd been to Pindari absorbed all the knowledge listened to all the tips and tricks and everything and then a couple of friends were making some stuff and I wasn't even I wasn't even part of that group that were making them I just happened to be there I think I was making apple crumble instead (laughs) or no (laughs) But I remember observing, I remember watching them and thinking, "Oh, oh, I know how to do that." Like, I, I, oh I, no, don't I, like you know, having a Virgo rising like forever, <laughs> sort of judging everything that's going on. Uh, I remember thinking to myself, "No, you don't do that there. No, you, no, that's not that's not the next step. No, no, don't mix them together before you." <laughs> like, I'm having all these thoughts, and I was like, "Oh, I can do that." So I had a, had a go at it next time. I was like, oh, yeah, this, this is good. <laughs> this is good fun.
0: Yeah, it's and coming back.
1: Yeah, that's how I got into doing Skin Doona.
0: Yeah. So do you yeah. want to tell us about Mother's Love, that beautiful signature product of yours, and how that came about?
1: Uh, yes. We, I had two different products. I had one called Cuts and Grazes. And another one called Baby Bum, and they had they had good combinations in them, but I found <clears throat> I found I was always having to decide which one was the best combination, and so at some point I ditched them both and created Mother's Love, and that sort of covered that then covered everything. So Mother's Love has um, calendula, gotcha cola, St. John's Wort. Comfrey and golden seal, and I did kind of, I guess, m- model a little bit off the old scarless healer remedy before they took the comfrey out. But I, you need comfrey, yeah. so um, yeah, I put comfrey in, and then because of the comfrey, I wanted a really strong antibacterial as well. So I was like, it's got to have goldens (laughs) here. And, yeah, plus the bush flowers. I use a lot of bush flowers in the products too, uh, covering emotional, emotional, spiritual kind of layers of why we might need stuff. Um, Yeah, and that product, and also the name. I think I was... I was trying to come up with something that would cover everything and I was with my mum one day at the markets and um uh, it was really windy day and I was trying to put the tablecloth on I was on my own and she wasn't there yet and I was crying and there was things flapping everywhere (laughs) and then my mum arrived and just you know sort of like an angel just took the other corners and we got everything sorted and I was like oh yeah Mother's Love that's a great name for something that that does everything so yeah that's kind of how the name came about and then over time of course that's become very very much more nuanced for, for my family um and then having my own children as well becoming a mother so, I do get asked, why, "What about fathers' love?" But mm, I'm a mother, <laughs> so you know. Yeah. Yeah. But it is a really great product. So, it just helped so many people um, with so many different things.
0: Mm. Yeah. And so that that journey began before you were a mother. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it did. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: I sort of modelled the name off my, my, the feeling of my own yep. mother. But now, yeah, that has a deeper meaning for me mm,
0: well. yeah. That's beautiful. I love how, that, um, how that's evolved for you from really feeling like there was that real disconnect to the natural world to create, getting that sense of awe from being exposed to it at, in primary school and then really diving deep into hands-on stuff down in Tassie to feel that confidence to be able to really create yourself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely a a process. Um, also, I did... Um, maybe while I was at college, or before even. I'm not sure of the time frame. Yeah, it would have been while I was going through college I did um a few courses with it's called nature philosophy and you do deep immersion in nature you go go up onto a block of land where there's no dwelling built there's like a a few poles and a roof for a kitchen and so you spend a week or however long you're there just deeply immersed in in nature and learning primitive skills And, um, so part of that again is bush medicine, bush food, but also for me, I found a deep connection there to bush flowers on, on one of those courses. And, um, yeah, that was, that was a bit of a,
0: an eye opener too. Mm. Do you want to tell yeah. us a little bit more about how that journey's evolved? Because I know that you use vibrational essences and flower essences and have a really strong connection with both and use them in your creams and also for your own health. Yes.
1: Yeah, so I was sort of already... <clears throat> I'd already done a few courses with Ian White, the, the founder of the Australian Bushflower Remedies, um, and I was interested in that, but I was it had a lot of questions about um, I guess the universal remedy pictures like is this going to be the same for every person or is this just the, is the intuition he's received just for him that sort of thing and, and also like is this stuff even real like, <laughs> like am I just being like totally totally deceived here and totally naïve like you're selling me a bottle of nothing, <laughs> basically. But then, when I was on one of these nature philosophy courses, we were doing doing a lot of meditation, and that that sort of process was um, to reconnect with the almost telepathic communication of those tribal cultures, and and how we we don't need verbal communication to have deep and meaningful connections with with each other and with nature and that was really profound for me um but we were going meeting at this spot every morning and throughout the week these bush iris the first day there was just a couple and they were so full of prana and just so divine I was absolutely sort of captivated by them and I'd say oh look at the bush look at the bush iris and nobody else was really some of them were oh yeah they're great but nobody else was sort of so captivated by them as I was but every day you'd go there and more and more and more were coming up until this whole section of what was grass when we got there was just these amazing purple bush iris and at the same time throughout the week, we were doing a series of meditation. And um, meditation is really different to, to the ones I'd done before. We were doing them in pairs, taking each other on journeys, like visually, um, and then describing what what we'd experienced and, and just how accurately those two things met up. And it was just opening my whole world to how energetics work. And um, when I got home from that course, I looked up the... I was like, ah, oh, the, bush, the bush iris was so amazing. I'm going to look up what they're for. And they were um, enhancing creative visualisation during meditation. And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> OK, yes, these are universal. The intuition he's got is accurate and... And I'm just being shown this as if, like, the universe has answered a question, a big question that I had. And, and also, I read recently that that was the first remedy they made, the bush iris. And they'd gone to make a different one, and it ended up that that flower wasn't ready, but the bush iris was, and, he, and he, they said, and in their meditations that night, it was particularly important that the bush iris was the first remedy because it opened the doorway to the other realms kind of thing. And I was like, ah oh, I just felt like, oh, well, that was kind of my first bush flower too. <laughs> right, that doesn't feel like a mistake either. So, yeah. So after that, I just trusted that all the other... All the other intuitions and the remedy pictures would be accurate, and I started to tune into them. I don't know why, but I I tune into things, to the vibration of things, to numbers. I'm I do numerology to astrology, like the science and astrology. I can get a real feel for them, and and also people, and so yeah the same thing happens for me with bush flowers like oh there's a feeling it's a feeling
0: yeah that's an amazing experience that you had there like the universe had said to you hey you don't need to have these doubts yes absolutely (laughs) Mm. and so from that did you then um did you have a bit of a dabble in creating flower essences
1: yes I did, I oh, I just love flowers. Um, and I've always loved them, but I think once I started to feel them as well, the love for them just grew even more and more. And um, I've got a friend who lives uh, sort of four hours west of Newcastle in, the, in a national park. And I spent a lot of time out there and found quite a lot of beautiful flowers, natives out there. And um, I guess I was on my own and just felt very in tune with nature and, and felt sort of guided in a way to make up a few essences. So, yeah, I did a few out there. Um, but one particular one that really stands out was a red five corners. So I think the Australian bushflowers might use a pink five corners, but I found this red one and it was just stunning. And just a really tiny little bush, but the I'd walk up the track every day and like, just kinda of wait for the perfect prana point when the flowers are just like <laughs> And also I had some rose quartz, so I did a rose quartz and red five corners and it's a really, really hard opening remedy, um, love and safety and, mm. yeah, all that sort of thing. Mm. And, but, you know, you can make an essence of anything, really. Um, flowers or leaves or, um, yeah... So it's a nice thing to do. Mm. I've really got to get back into it.
0: <laughs> when you were making those ones out in the national park, do you tend to make them in situ, like, in, in the environment, or do you tend to take them home? And
1: Oh, no, absolutely in situ. Mm-hmm. Um, I would... The only thing... Um, the only sort of movement away from the plant is to find a good sun good spot to capture enough sunlight you sort of needs about six hours it doesn't really matter you, you you use what you get but if I could find a spot that that man I could get a good six hours of sun on the bowl then I'd put it there mm-hmm. but otherwise no right there with the mm-hmm. that's where it is that's I feel like that's where it is that's where it belongs that's where its essence is that's where. It, all the power is, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can take things away and do them at home. You'll still get a great result. Yeah, and and I do that with herbs more. I think. Um, I feel like herbs are a bit, bit more robust in a way. They've got that physical aspect as well as as just the energetic
0: yeah yeah yeah. you've made me just think about the way that I formulate my herbal tinctures so there's that robustness of the you know the physical herb going into a mix and then I love to add the flower essences in on top for that just peeling back the emotional layers so that you know that (laughs) the sturdiness of the 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 the, the liquid herb can work at its best when all those layers are peeled back yeah
1: yeah yeah Yeah, I always do that that process that to herbs first essences mm,
0: yep. yeah absolutely and I love to the way that when you're explaining to people what these flower essences are going to do it can be that someone who I think will be the the most skeptical person and they just connect in you, you're speaking to me that's exactly how I'm feeling and mm. you know the the, the sparks that Come when they feel heard and, and know that there's things going in that are really specific to how they're feeling in that moment. Yes.
1: Yeah, and I think too, if you tune in to the herb or the essence, ah, so the person you speaking with gets that vibration. So even if they're, they are the most sceptical... It's still going in on that energetic kind of soul level, that mm. recognition beyond the mind. Mm.
0: And that's where we're working, isn't it? That's <laughs> really? right. That's right. And I think too, you know, when you're talking through a formula with someone like that, that healing's already started, you know, before they mm. even have a drop. They can feel yeah. the shifts starting to happen and they're more likely then to connect with the mix that you've made and continue to take it.
1: Yeah. And they're already there, right? Mm. they're already in your room <laughs> that's it, that's it. Yeah.
0: so apart from using the essences in your products, how do you use those to support your health and that of your family oh look <laughs> uh, that is an area that I'm just
1: picking up the slack on kind of now I think that um yeah, interesting we're doing the podcast on self care because for a really long time that's an area I completely forgot about. <laughs> and in terms of the family, like acute respiratory, I'd always make up a mix. Everyone you know, everyone's got a a chesty cough mix or something like that. But just general all the time kind of using that stuff it's not something I I think about and only really since starting uh, working here late last November I moved my manufacturing space into um, the Lighthouse Health Hub that's really when I started having herbal teas and herbal tonics and for like the first time in years and years and years and um, so yeah, I've just made my son up a mix, a flower essence mix. Almost like, says sort of slapping myself in the head. Like, ugh <laughs> why didn't I think of this before? We went on, we we did a little little trip away, and the guyamia lilies were just, ah, they were just amazing and I was like oh my god every time we drove past I'm like, look the guy Mia's like, um, you know to the point of like it's like that Chevy Chase movie look kids there's Big Ben <laughs> like, they were like yeah the guy Mia's," <laughs> but I'm like oh my god he, he totally needs guy Mia, it's Lily like absolutely that would be perfect for him and so again like it's actually being near the real live plant that reminds me
0: of using it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tell us about guymia lily. Ah, oh, uh,
1: so it's uh, uh, the way it grows very straight, very very long, tall, straight stalk, and then beautiful, beautiful red, vibrant, sort of reddish pink um, flower head at the top, and they're just stunning, but. Um, it's really for um, holding holding yourself uh, and humility, I guess, and empowerment, like when you're in a position of sort of power or rising up in a certain field of just like just keeping that. Um, yeah I always think of the word humility but it's all there's also another aspect of it too is is like the other side of that I guess is arrogance and and that's sort of more what I was thinking about for my son (laughs) like he's (laughs) he can be very dominating and um I just thought it might soften I thought that remedy would soften him a little bit so yeah, kind of. I made us both in essence with that in it for the opposite sort of, <laughs> the opposite reasons and hoping that that could form a little bridge between us <laughs> of, of working, working more harmoniously together.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I think this is a really good time now to step into the self-care aspect of it and I, I'd love to explore what self-care means for you after having heard that it's really it's really been something that's been in the background and I imagine that um motherhood has really played a big part in that self-care sitting back here um if can you put into words what self-care means to you um yes
1: I think it means like, at its very core is doing whatever anything that kind of reminds me of that still and silent spacious place within for me mm. so I think when I was younger before I had kids I do a lot of lying around in the sun <laughs> I'm, I'm moving slowly through life lots of relaxing and I guess since having children that that's not really that big of an option. And coming out the other side of of sort of losing all grasp of self-care, I feel like now, just in a, in a moment in the day, if I can just go back within, take a deep breath, that sort of thing, create that silence and stillness and sort of reset in a way, it is really great to to get the time to do, oh, what I'd say, like a big self-care thing, like, you know, maybe have a massage or have a couple of hours on your own kind of thing. But um, without that, that option, just those moments of stillness within, mm.
0: yeah. Finding that space on a busy day. Mm. Mm. So throughout the time when you know self-care really has been on the back burner um what what have you noticed in yourself that you know may have been happening because of that so has your body or your mind been saying hey come on you know in recent times when it's you know you have started to pull it back in what have you started to listen to that you know it has come to the fore a little bit more Mmm, I guess something
1: I've really noticed is a shift in the, I'm going to call it like the primary emotional response. So up until sort of recently when I would, when I've started reintroducing (laughs) self-care, um... I feel very frustrated or angry quite a lot. Like, completely disempowered is probably how I'd describe it. Um, A feeling of being completely disempowered and drowning almost. And so, um, yeah, I tend to get easily frustrated, short with the kids, short with myself. And whereas now I notice... um, Go more into vulnerability and softness and tears rather than rather than frustrated and it, oh, it's much nicer. Mm. <laughs> it's a much softer place, mm. and I don't
0: mind. I don't mind tears ever. So yeah,
1: you know, am happy to, mm. happy to
0: go with that. <laughs> mm. Almost like you've dropped down from that elevated state a little bit.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah and I think my nervous system was so such in such flight fight for so long um, yeah that's definitely definitely changed through um well just awareness and other tools, but also herbs. Mm. I feel like herbs have made a big difference. Um, i've been for probably the first time in my life very compliant for me which still isn't isn't hitting the dosage target every day but um
0: at least i'm taking them every day
1: Can you go recognize the necessity of
0: it yeah and throughout that time when you've been consistent are there particular herbs that are, you've really been connecting with you just kind of frozen and i can't hear you over the time when you've been a little bit more consistent with the herbs are there particular herbs that have really stood out and and lifted you and you've connected and they've felt supportive oh well
1: yeah i can't think of any actual like particular ones but i i know my first mix was very much geared towards the nervous system and then and that felt really good I remember taking it and the feeling of taking it was like oh that's just going into all the cells and then at some point I felt a couple of months I felt like oh is it I need a new mix and um so yeah I saw my naturopath and we made up a new mix and yeah the mu- she does muscle testing and mm. I needed a whole new mix and so that was interesting for me too it was like oh wow I, I could really feel that mm. and also that that's represents a big shift that's taken place um, which I could also feel
0: mm. so yeah I,
1: n- nothing particular not, yeah. not one I think first actually yeah um, Bethania Mm-hmm. was really I felt like that was kind of really holding
0: me there for a little while mm. such a beautiful yes, <laughs> such a special yeah. one can we think back to you know the last however long it's been when self-care has really been on the back burner and what, what is it do you think were the main barriers for you in terms of it being something that was on the You know, in front of mind, and something that you really felt like, okay, I need to be doing this. Like, what was it over that time that really kind of stood in your way?
1: Oh, having children. Mm. Um, I'm really, I've I've got a really small, slight frame, and I wouldn't say I'm like an earth mama or anything like that. I just found, I found. Uh, breastfeeding so depleting um, that I couldn't see outside of the next feed, sleep, I need to eat hour and a half, two hour cycle for a really long time and um, it just sort of I guess oh yeah, I found it really challenging physically. Bit, uh, motherhood, uh, breast breastfeeding, not getting any sleep. Like you know, constitutionally, I I would sleep. I'd go to bed at nine thirty at night and get up at six thirty the next morning and sleep a lot. And then <laughs> having children there were days on end that I wouldn't sleep for and I just got worn down really quickly and I didn't know... People would be like, you know, go and have an appointment. And I'm like, I can't even... I can't even pack a nappy bag to to take my baby to my mum's for an hour, let alone think of booking an appointment. And that just went on probably a little bit too long, I think. And then... Um, we had death, uh, an unexpected death in the family of my brother and, um, yeah, that was a whole nother level of annihilation, Mm. so to speak. Then I had another baby and then she didn't sleep, she still doesn't sleep, (laughs) three and a half. And so it was just compounded depletion and compounded nervous system overload, um, and yeah, I wasn't very I wasn't very good at seeing outside of it mm. Mm. or getting outside of it. I think yeah. Once I started moved my manufacturing here and got in this little safety net of beautiful people who started holding me up, <laughs> yeah, I, um, holding me up, making me herbs, making me teas. So thing, I started to like oh, I am in there. I am in there. Oh yeah, right. So
0: yeah, making much more effort to to self care now. Yeah. And it sounds like it was a bit of a gradual realisation and step back towards yourself and finding that space and time and that the physical movement of your business to a beautiful supportive hub played a big part in that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think just getting out of the, getting out of the house because I did... I mean, I've run Skindana the whole way through having children... Um, but I, I did all the, the back end stuff from home. And so it just got in a bit of a rut, I think. Just got in a bit of. Uh, the world got very small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just me at work and then me and the kids at home. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. In a bit of a cycle.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, getting out. I'm back. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. So we've chatted a little bit about ways that you have started to care for yourself. Um, You know, being consistent with the herbs and that helping you to, you know, listen into that intuition, even to the point where you realised that these herbs weren't the right ones anymore, and you needed to have a bit of a shift and and finding the time and the space in the day to to drop into that stillness to connect with yourself. Are there any other ways that that you've brought in to care for yourself, whether that's um, you know, is do you use your products on a daily basis as a as part of skin care and and self care?
1: Yes, I do. I use Mother's Love as a, a moisturizer, and the reason I use Mother's Love is because it doesn't have any essential oils in it, and I'm really really sensitive to smell, so. Um, I like the smell of my products that I make, but I don't like them on me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, yeah, I use Mother's Love. And I'm about the least likely person to ever have a skincare business, to be honest. Before I started making Mother's Love, I never used anything on my skin at all. (laughs) Like, I wash with soap. That's the extent of my... my, um, cosmetic kind of routine um yeah and also too like I think oh that that world of cosmetics and vanity and uh, negative self-image and all that is really not my thing at all and I really um I sort of try to drive purpose behind the skincare for me is the herbs it is the healing I don't make an anti-aging cream I don't make an anti-wrinkle cream yeah I don't I don't I love aging and I love wrinkles like you know that's just part of life part of part of the cycle of life and so Mm. my range is not about that at all um, it's really about the he- the herbs and the healing and the essences and how we can support people to feel better about themselves and to get re- you know to get results so that their skin's not problematic for them so mm. they can get on with other great aspects of life. <laughs> mm. yeah. So after so. the
0: success of Mother's Love, where did the skincare range go? Like, what was the next evolution from there? Ah, well I had, I had, I pretty much had the whole range
1: straight away, like I just thought about what, what are the common things people need a topical preparation for, um, I haven't added a lot to the range for a really long time, I'm just, just doing a new product now, uh, like a pure lanolin nipple balm on request, um, so that's exciting um, but yeah the covering different bases so the mother's love sort of covers uh, everything that on the skin but then I wanted a range to like um, one of my other favourite products is the winter poultice and that It's really, really great for respiratory things. Um, It's it's expectorant, it's got immune herbs, it's got um, nervines. So, yeah, it's really great for soothing and calming chesty coughs and helping (laughs) as a mother who got no sleep and still doesn't get much. Helping your children sleep and they're not
0: well. (laughs) Yes, and that's a form of self-care in itself, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I imagine that people who buy your products are incorporating them into their self-care, you know, whether or not that's a ritual or whether or not it's just having that product there available to be able to heal themselves and and care for themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, people seem to really like products and um, actually a friend was just telling me this morning that she looked over on a bedside table and she's got seven of my products and she's waiting for me to make this one so she can have eight. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how gorgeous so what is what are some other areas that um your products are supportive for
1: um well i do a, a product called bend and stretch and it's really good for aches and pains, and particularly I've found over the years arthritis in the wrists and hands. Um, so it's it's essentially like a liniment kind of thing. It's arnica, clove, cayenne, wintergreen, gotcha colas. I uh, can't remember everything that's in it, but it's really geared towards... Um, yeah, anti inflammatory mm. kind of stuff, um, and and, and that's... when
0: sorry, when you are making your herb your your balms and your creams, at uh, what form are you using the herbs in? Um, I use them
1: so e- ethanolic extracts, mm-hmm. um, and I <sighs> so in the process of making the creams, I have to reach a certain temperature to get the emulsion right and then you have to cool it down enough to not crack the emulsion when you add the herbs, the, eth- the ethanol, because that will just crack the emulsion So at a high temperature. So cooling it down to a cool enough temperature to not crack the emulsion, but high enough still to evaporate off most of the alcohol. So. Yeah. Yeah, so... That's interesting. I mean, there'd still be trace alcohol in them, but um, I like to try and evaporate most of that off and mm. then just get left with the, the nice, meaty, herby bit. Mm. Yeah, but i found that's the best. Basically, it's like putting a herb mix in a topical preparation That's
0: kind of how I think about it. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. So, yeah, what
1: would I use for this particular condition? This and this and this, and then put it in a mix and
0: Mm. put it in a cream. Mm. Use it that way. Mm. And earlier on you mentioned that one of your favourite things to do is, like, shove things into a jar. Has there been time for that over recent years, you know, with motherhood, to play with things from the garden or that you've wildcrafted or...
1: Oh look, I haven't wildcrafted for a long time, but I still make in my in my manufacturing space here. I still make some of the herbs up. Um, I make golden seal because mm-hmm. well, it's um hard to get, <laughs> and um, and I make the comfrey, and so yeah, I still get to push those push all of that into the jar mm-hmm. and I guess the vision is to make <laughs> as I get a bit more time the kids get a bit older and actually also can be part of the process they're sort of at that age where they want to help but they're not quite the right <laughs> the right type of help a couple more years um, and, you know, doing more wildcrafting and or doing more growing, growing herbs and and making herbs that way. It is just such a beautiful thing, and I think for me, that's my connection to herbalism is like that, that real uh, real getting involved with the
0: plants,
1: plant. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And have you got um, herbs in a garden at the moment? Ah, uh, no. No, I do not. Nurturing, <laughs> nurturing children is enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've got um at my mum's where I used to live, where I grew up. Which they're still in the same house I grew up in. I've got comfrey and aloe vera. because um, I still use both of those in the products today. So, but yeah, you know there is a dream. Yeah, <laughs> there is a bigger dream. And
0: that aloe vera. Just surviving thing. each day. <laughs> That aloe vera that you spoke of in your granddad's garden was that something that he just happened to have in the garden, or was he using that at some point?
1: Yeah, he used to he used to use it, and he never really spoke to me about it. He never really said much to me at all. He's one hundred and one, wow. and he's in a nurse he's in a nursing home, and um, yeah, he hasn't he hasn't been very um, coherent for a lot of years but even before that he didn't say a lot or not particularly sharing with the kids any great passing on of knowledge but I remember seeing him cut the aloe vera and like rubbing it on this and that on his skin so yeah he had hundreds of plants like the whole like one of those like that was his thing just the whole backyard was full of aloe vera plants wow that was it
0: wow. <laughs> and how do you harvest and process the aloe vera now uh so i cut it
1: There's actually i think i've got a video on my instagram of me doing it i cut it i slice off the little sharp edges so that i don't get pierced by them um slice off the skin i like scrape off all the gel Lovely snotty gel, it's so good. <laughs> um, and then I blend, like I've got a little handheld mixer, and I just whiz it up, strain it, and then I add glycerin. So, one to one, a certified organic glycerin, and then I use it in a couple of the products I make. Mm. After sun care, yeah. obvious reasons. <laughs> beautiful.
0: Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. We've spoken about um, some ways that you care for yourself. And I was wondering if there was a special ritual or a recipe or something that you do that just really fills your cup.
1: Mm, Look, I've got to be really honest and say no. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. That is at this point in time there isn't yeah. except one thing actually I was talking recently to a friend about our favorite tea and there is something about a lemon ginger tea that really hits the spot for me if I' if I've had no sleep one night or I've, I've got a bit of a, a respiratory thing that that is just really uh, something that I find so deeply soothing into my cells so that's about
0: all I've got for Mm. you right now no I completely (laughs) understand that that is the season that you are in (laughs) we have one final question which is always a difficult one for people who are connected to herbs to answer but my question is what plant do you have the deepest connection with and why is that
1: the deepest connection I think I wrote down two actually on the bit of paper that's um, why, one was a bush, one was the bush iris, but I've already told that story. Yeah. So my favourite herb, I don't know that it's the herb I have the deepest connection to, but my favourite, the one if you could, if you were, if you were going to a desert island and you could take one herb, I'd take golden seal. <laughs> I just think it's, oh, it's absolutely amazing herb and. I, well, and also like having seen it grow down at Pindari Herb Farm had such a deeper appreciation for it just this network so it kind of needs shade it's growing under a, a sort of shade cloth and this network of tiny roots like this matting matrix of, of roots going right across the the garden bed that it was in, and I'm just like, ah, oh. I think the way a plant grows just gives you so much information about how you can use it and and what it's for, and, and it, was, it was sort of like that that matrix of roots was forming if over time left forming like just a one big golden seal, right? <laughs> Like with no gaps. I mean, that's how we use it digestively to heal the heal the gut. Take take out you know take out all the gaps in the in the gut wall, seal that up and and also too the bitterness of it. Oh, for me, it's so striking that if you think about what bacteria like to thrive and survive in that sweet, warm, sort of wet environment, the golden seal is just. So bitter. I always think of little, the little um, uh, what are they called? I, f- I can't even think. The nasty cells. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those those little cells, like running running towards like their target, and they just get hit with golden seal, and like ah, running the other way, like <laughs> you can't survive in there. And also the astringency of it—it's like so. It's bitter. It's dry. It's you know. It's mm. magical. Mm. Um, and the color—I just love it.
0: Mm. Yeah. And and you would use it externally as well in your products.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. I do. And also, like some of the stories, some of the stories of putting straight golden seal on infections and just you know watching the results of of that is fantastic and mm. yeah I've, I've always got golden seal on me somewhere <laughs> not on my body like in my possession I carry it around
0: yeah so. that's a beautiful story I love the imagery of that growing habit and how that translates into that beautiful golden seal mm. and how it protects and, and helps us that way
1: yeah yeah it was really insightful to see those roots growing
0: Mm -hmm. well that brings us to the end of our conversation Jess it's been an absolute pleasure I've loved your beautiful storytelling and you've brought such imagery to this conversation I think it's going to really shine through when people are listening thanks for
1: having me I love a good chat so anytime
0: yeah (laughs) so we will um, provide some information about how people can access your beautiful products so that they can connect with you that way at all the right. end of the show
1: all right thank you
0: beautiful lovely to have you you too jess <laughs> Bye. i'm so glad you tuned into this episode of self-care with herbs a segment of the elder tree podcast the elder tree is a non-profit dedicated to putting the medicine in the hands of the people through grassroots herbal education and earth skills weaving a strong community of herbalists healers and plant folk in Australia. If you'd like to dive a little deeper, you can head over to our Patreon, The Elder Tree Trove, to access special content from our podcast guests. I hope you found something in this episode that has inspired you to begin to lean into those plant allies and to experience your practice of self-care, blossoming and blooming. I look forward to sharing more ways you can weave plant medicine into your days next month.